0: I was realizing as I was trying to make predictions, I'm like, anything that is not in my very small universe of You have media, no idea. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm like, I I can't look at myself seriously making these predictions. So high conviction is generally the stuff like that I spend time in. The
1: first one By the way, that's is, one of my signs of like a mature self-aware entrepreneur, is when like a person says to me, like, I know this really well, so I'm gonna, but these things, like, I have no clue. And then someone like has the same level of knowledge on everything, I immediately don't believe anything that they say.
0: <laughs> What's up, everyone? I'm Alex Lieberman.
1: And I'm Sophia Amoruso.
0: Yo, this is Jesse Pooji. And this is The Crazy Ones. What's up, misfits? Welcome back to The Crazy Ones, the best startup show on planet Earth. I am so excited for an amazing 2023, so let's do this damn thing few housekeeping items before we get into the episode. Number one, this year is going to be the year of experimentation. You're going to see us trying a lot of stuff as it relates to the type of content we're talking about, the format of content. So you may see the regular 45-minute roundtable-style episode we do, but you also may see old-school Founders Journal-esque episodes where we do diary entries of lessons we're learning. We may also incorporate interviews with some of the best entrepreneurs in the world. So stay tuned for some of these things. And as always, we want to hear your feedback. So shoot an email to thecrazyones@morningbrew.com and let us know what you think. Second, I want to share that our co host Sophia Amoruso is not going to be a regular host on the pod moving forward. Sophia has an amazing amount of really exciting things going on this year for her as it relates to her investing career, her entrepreneurial career, and it's simply just taking up too much time. And we're super excited for her. She's a friend of the pod. She's for sure going to be on this show in the future as she sees really cool things happening with her investing, with her businesses like Business Class. But moving forward, it's going to be Jesse and I co-piloting the show, and um, we're going to miss Sophia, but uh, we're excited for all that is ahead for her.
1: Miss you, Sophia.
0: We are definitely going to miss you. And by the way, I already thanked her in private, but I need to to thank Sophia for the really thoughtful gifts she sent me. She got me a jacket, like a a collegiate-style jacket, which I've never heard because I wasn't on a football team, so I didn't have one of those cool patch jackets. She sent me one of those, and it says Misfits on it. Uh, so, uh, shout out, Sophia, for getting the awesome jacket. Once I figure out my light situation, going to have that shining in the background. Okay, with that out of the way, let's talk about today's episode. First, Jesse and I are going to be talking about the big things that are on our minds as we head into 2023, from the latest developments in AI to business stories that have captured our attention, and also what specific predictions we have for the year ahead. I'm typically not a prediction person, but my view is these start a conversation, it pushes us to form points of view, and that's the goal for that section. The second is a complete 180. I've been working on a side business in the background. It's called The Plunge. It involves throwing plungers at a dartboard. It's a backyard game. I'm going to take you all through the story and the genesis of this game, and then Jesse is going to do a good old business crossfit, asking questions, poking holes in the business. And finally, we're going to wrap up with Startup AMA, where we're going to be answering a question about recurring meetings and Shopify's, I would say, very contrarian change that they made as it relates to their recurring meetings. So let's hop into this thing. Here we go. Let's do it. 2023. Where do you want to start? Do you want to talk about the things that you're most excited about or thinking about? Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about predictions? What, what's... Yeah, uh, I think,
1: I, you know, maybe one place to start for me is predictions. You know, I think people are, they're polarizing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And I, my favorite quote around planning for your business or predictions is like, plans are useless, but planning is invaluable. And so I always relate to these things as, yeah, the predictions are going to be wrong for sure. We're going to get them wrong. But the the thought process and the cycling around in your brain and talking through with your teams, that's where the value comes in. Because then when you do spot something or something does come up, you're ready to take advantage of it. Uh, so that's just a little bit of my take versus the, you know, obviously it's a fun parlor game to predict stuff. but. Ultimately, the value is in thinking through and like if, if for example, AI becomes critical, what's going to happen to your business? So you can be yep. ready for like that's the interesting part of the the conversation because you know even if you bat twenty on prediction twenty percent two hundred on predictions you're gonna you're gonna be wrong a lot. Are, but it's, are but it's you
0: invaluable. are you planning for under the assumption that AI is bigger this year? Like within your businesses,
1: a hundred percent.
0: What does that look like? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean it's showing up everywhere for us. You know, I think uh, I had a conversation with Adrian as we were thinking about you know value add initiatives for customers and and the offshore talent. And I said, what if we trained everyone on the top three to five all the all the Philippines talent on the top three to five AI tools, and then we sold that into the market? It, it, it's not that big of a lift for us to do. But imagine someone shows up and they go, Oh yeah, I know how to use Jasper. I know how to use ChatGPT three. Just tell me what you need and totally. they say oh go go write me emails and now all of a sudden they can throw it in a chat GPT 3 their english doesn't even have to be that great and so boom that's a t- entire value prop uh you know we did it on the show with unbloat and started using it and now it's used constantly you literally prototyped a capability that the company now uses and to me if we launch more brands we're absolutely going to be leveraging parts of this and then literally something uh, announced today uh, it's a genius idea. I just, I just uh, messaged the founder. It's I don't remember the name of it, but it's generative AI around product pictures. And so, you know, a lot of brands, I know this from you, you always want new product pictures, but Mm -hmm. you got to go pay someone to go take all these pictures. Well, what if generative AI could take your product and put it in a pretty girl's hand or an old woman's hand or whatever, right? Like, so now there's some guy launched it today on Twitter and from kahani perspective we reached out cuz it's a huge issue for us of getting making sure the brands have content well what if we what if they don't have to do anything what if generative yeah. ai just solves that problem for kahani and all of a sudden everyone can have these very rich interfaces so those are just tiny like examples across each business and look i don't know uh, in a year we'll do the check in we'll say like did uh, you know it turns out nobody wants offshore ai capability as we did it it wasn't as interesting as we thought but the point again is like planning is really valuable. Thinking about this and how it may impact the business and inserting it is, is a is a big piece of it. But yeah, I I think it's a game-changing technology. It's, uh, it's
0: funny that you mentioned that second product. We're going have to have to find out what the name is of it because we'll I'm talk happy. about it in, in a few minutes, but The Plunge, which is my backyard game, I'm like in the thick of building a Shopify website for the first time. And obviously, one of the things as I'm building my Shopify website is I'm getting product pictures. And it's like you literally see me out here on a Saturday in Hoboken with my DSLR camera that I got as a graduation gift in high school, trying to take amazing pictures that have the right amount of light. Um, But then also, if I don't want that background, I need to find a tool that takes out the background so I can put it on other things. So to have a product that literally just takes the perfect Kind of like cut out of my product and puts it in any person's hands in front of them on any background would have probably saved me like four hours this past weekend.
1: Well, and and you, wh- dude, you haven't run it yet. I've been running a brand for a year or two. You need more pictures. It's not like you just need them once. Totally. <laughs> New things come up. And all right. So it's called Hello Pebbly. Pebbly? Alfred Lua is the founder. Pebbly. Uh, P-E-B-B-L-E-L-Y. Okay. Upload a picture, upload a product image, pick a theme, voila. That's
0: awesome. This also begs the question, by the way, and we can talk about this in a minute of like which companies are actually going to accrue value in AI, like what is commoditized versus what is actually differentiated. Um, and I was trying to make a prediction on this and then I kept trying to, and then I was like, do I near- know nearly enough about AI to make a call on this? But we'll talk about it in a minute. I want to start by sharing kind of like my view what's of what's going to happen in the world in 2023. And I want to see if it lines up with you. And if it does line up with you, how you plan your business in accordance with or kind of differently than this. So my view is like, I always try to look at things as where are we right now? And if we if where we are right now kind of stays relatively similar, what are the downstream effects that it has? So my view is where we are right now is markets are down somewhere between 20 and 30% in the U.S. Interest rates are rising as the Federal Reserve tries to bring down inflation, which hit a a decade high or multi-decade high at 9.1%. It's gotten down to 7.1%. I believe consumers are going to be tighter with their spending as there's less money in the economy from government stimulus during COVID, Inflation is higher, so borrowing is more expensive. I think the, the just the value of people's assets will go down, whether it's real estate, what's the whether it's the value of companies. So I just think overall, businesses are not going to perform as well in 2023. Consumers are gonna be buying less stuff. Valuations are gonna be repriced for higher interest rates. More layoffs are gonna continue, I think, across the board. I think especially with venture-backed businesses that are getting pressure from their investors um, or they don't well, want to do down. Well, they all overbuilt. Downloads. You know, they all yeah.
1: overbuilt. That's a big part of why they're going to keep doing layoffs, I think.
0: Totally. And, but I also think it's going to hit like big tech companies who are, have seen what Elon has done with Twitter and are yep. going to get pressure from activist investors saying, guys, like, they Well, there was the
1: Amazon news that they're going to do 18,000 instead of 11,000 or something that leaked. I,
0: I saw a crazy stat by Scott Galloway. He uh, said, he was like, if you want to increase what did he say? Wait, I have to find this line. He basically was like, if you want to increase the value of Amazon, Apple, or Google by some percent, you can either fire 25,000 people from your company, or you have to increase top line by $12 billion. And he's like, when you look at that math, these companies are going to make a very easy decision. So So I think that's part of it. Um, I think just focus for companies is going to go from revenue growth to cost control. I think you're going to see consolidations, companies trying to sell because either they see a storm ahead and they want to take chips off the table, or acquirers are going to be looking for good deals. So that is kind of like the picture that's in my head that informs how do we think about the plan for the business moving forward. D- does that line up with you?
1: Broadly, I'd say like it's it's going to get worse before it gets better. Is what I, I kind of a high level version of what you just said. And in part, you know, look, I I think the other thing to remember that you didn't say related to that is a lot of this is just psychology. It's just fear versus greed. And and there was a huge period of greed and it's not like the the challenge with psychology is it doesn't flip overnight in either direction. And so even if things are fine in a year, if people don't feel like they're fine, and I think that's going to be a bigger challenge and it just, there's ripples that take place. So it, it, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And and then the other thing I was saying earlier is is dude it's overbuilt everything and I think that's really an important point for an entrepreneur is is if you don't uh, none of my companies have done layoffs yet and you know when we Ampush had I think one of its best years ever during the year of COVID and of course there was a discussion of oh my God it's a new normal let's build yeah. and me and Nick were like hell no we got lucky this year <laughs> we're gonna stay conservative let's plan to this run rate. And we haven't laid anyone off because of it. Yeah, maybe we didn't take as much as we could have on the upside. I don't know. But like, I just don't want people to lose fact, sight of the fact that layoffs are a function of greed. And, and there was a moment where people were just overbuilding a lot. And that's what leads to layoffs. And that's what leads to a lot of this stuff. So yeah, but I'm, I'm broadly aligned. Let's keep, what else? Okay, so
0: that's that's overall prediction of the economy. Now I'm going to share uh, a few high, I've broken my predictions to high conviction and middle conviction. Because okay. the, I was realizing as I was trying to make predictions, I'm like anything that is not in my very small universe of you have media. No idea. <laughs> I, I'm like I'm like I I can't look at myself seriously making these predictions. So high conviction is generally the stuff like that I spend time in. The first one, by the way, is, that's one of
1: my signs of like a mature, self aware entrepreneur is when like a person says to me like I know this really well, so I'm gonna but these things like I have no clue. And then someone like has the same level of knowledge on everything, I immediately don't believe anything that they say.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll share it in a second, but one of the predictions I wanted to make was around pickleball and what's going to happen to the game of pickleball in 2023. And I was laughing at myself as I was trying to put it in the high conviction zone of me having conviction of if pickleball going to slow as a sport. So I will share that prediction, but I provide the caveat that I'm not the expert. First high conviction prediction is that short form video is going to continue to grow at a record pace. And the belief in that is attention shorter than ever before uh with tools like ai creating short form video becomes easier and easier i think youtube continues to invest heavily in it especially as there are security concerns around tiktok and people are going to need to diversify their audience and youtube i think has put the pressure on platforms to come up with solutions for monetizing short form video so i think it's going to be huge
1: yeah i mean i i'd zoom it out a, a tick and you know, Kahani, the entire bet is vertical media is going to take over commerce. Yep. And so we actually call it vertical media broadly because if there's pictures, there's going to be gist. But the idea, as long as as long as long this thing looks like this, right, It's it, the phone looks like a vertical yeah. media landscape, that type of format's going to be super important. And I think it's not only going to become important in the platforms, which I think you were talking about, but I think websites are going to have to start leveraging it. I think I predict if we're right about Kahani that... Sometime this year, it's going to become a must have thing that your e-com site it has tons of vertical media integrated into it to have the right rich experience that a user demands. But I think it's going to happen everywhere. I think B2B is going to have it. I think that format is going to become the dominant internet format, uh, the way that like feeds were the dominant format maybe yeah. five years ago.
0: I also think it's interesting to think about if that prediction is right, what's the downstream effect on other business opportunities. So I think about like there are a few agencies like I, I know well related to um, creating short-form video. So there's like uh, Our Future, there's Clipped. I think it, – and it's effectively what Growth Assistant does, right? It's I, I would refer to it as geographic arbitrage for a specific need or skill. Yeah. So a lot of these editors are in the Philippines, uh, the uh, Sri Lanka, or in India, and they're just high-skilled editors where the cost of labor is lower. I think the opportunity for service-based video editing businesses or just let's expand it like you said, vertical businesses, even like vertical websites, etc. I think the demand for that is going to be significantly higher because I just think there's so few agencies relative to the number of people who are trying to create within this form factor.
1: Yeah, one of the cool things about being a little older and having experience is like I get really excited I've lived through the shift from desktop to mobile. Uh-huh. And I lived through the shift to feed. And dude, you think about like Sprout Social and Buddy Media and all these companies that came up around social and then mobile. How many software, how many services opportunities? And I think the same thing is going to happen with vertical media and short form video broadly. There's going to be software solutions. You know, we, we've talked about it for Kahani. It's like, maybe we should actually be in a media management solution because you're going to have to take vertical media and manage it across all of these platforms including your website powered by us like so there's so many different versions of this that i think become really interesting
0: yeah i agree i think it's also interesting to think about we still haven't arrived at long form vertical media in any way like if you want to watch youtube video you turn your video sideways and it's horizontal like quibi was starting to try to do this and they didn't figure it out i'm interested to see like how do the boundaries get pushed of intermediate or longer form content that is solely consumed in a vertical format because it hasn't happened yet. Um, Okay, a few more high conviction predictions and then I want to hear yours. Um, Decline in cohort-based courses. So I just think, you know, there was this massive boom during the pandemic in cohort-based courses. The idea that uh, you can create digital courses, they have a beginning, they have an end. There's a few like live sessions that some teacher does you saw you know it the advent of section four which is scott galloway's company maven which is um Mm -hmm. uh goggin and uh west cow's company and i just think not that there's not appetite for cohort based courses i just think there's oversupply right now and when you actually think about it i think cohort based is not flexible enough in nature Mm. for what consumers want it is still it forces you in a given week or given set of weeks to follow a certain schedule for a course and i think this was a reaction to the the stat that everyone used in their pitch decks that only four percent of people finish their courses on udemy right i almost think that in some ways that part of it's like a feature not a bug where it's like people who actually want education are going to focus their time on doing it there's always going to be a cohort within the world that just isn't motivate motivated enough to get things done mm-hmm. and so i just think cohort based courses we're going to hear a lot less talk about them in 2023
1: yeah i don't i don't that falls into my i don't know enough yeah. to you know the only way i think about those things is i try to pull the pull things forward 10 years then back into this year from that so yeah. in 10 years i think universities in the entire edu system other than maybe the top 100 universities is going to be pretty reimagined mm-hmm. uh and so given that i think we're probably going through this sort of like volatile oh is udemy the right solution that was maybe the right, you know like yeah, and it's, the it's, figuring it,
0: it's the figuring it out phase where there's like the pendulum swing and the pendulum keeps just swinging back keeps and swinging forth until and then like
1: all of a sudden, everyone's going to realize credentialing is super important. Yeah. Then, like, I don't think universities are going to die. Like, uh, you know, some middle of the road school is going to become a brand that, in its region, still carries value. That someone's going to turn. And already, there's these—I uh, forgot what they're called—but there's these businesses that take universities' IP and turn them into online oh, courses. Oh yeah, like like Two U, like Two U, and there's yeah. there's a bunch of them. It's a big industry, but I think there's going to even be more nimble versions of that and credentialing. Um, I can, i don't know what's going to happen this year, though.
0: Okay, let's hear one from you. Do you have any predictions for the year?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, the theme. One of the themes I have. Uh, I do a lot of bottom up stuff at Gateway X, but then we'll th- we quickly see top down. Um, you know, I, I think one of the big things is, I, I'd say in the short term there will be a shakeout in the creator economy. Um, but again, in the long term, I think that category of people and workers is going to continue to kind of grow and explode. Uh, I think similar to all the rest of the economy, it's been overbuilt for what the demand is going to be. Now it's going to pull back. There's going to be a flight to quality, but in the medium run, let's say two to three years, it's going to keep being a critical workforce. And I think there's a huge opportunity. One of our lists of of ideas and items is selling, creating services for that category because they fall into this neither here nor there. Uh, I have a really good idea that I won't share, but like, (laughs) just imagine that these aren't fully employees. They're not fully contract employees they're not fully businesses so they don't check any of the current boxes for all the various products payroll runs um one of the one of the juiciest private equity businesses out there I don't know if I've told you about this maybe offline I've told you is like is like rights management for Hollywood people I think you've
0: like vaguely mentioned it but walk walk me through so, it. you
1: you know, got a movie 200 people run on the credits and each of them has a different deal with the studio to get paid and every time that movie shows up on TBS or someone quotes it like there's some mathematical oh, yeah. compensation that needs to be calculated and paid to that person. Like it's a crazy complex. So guess what? The, there's a bunch of private equity owned now because there are such great businesses, payroll companies that, uh, that run, <laughs> that run the gamut on that and make, I think 45% EBITDA margins. There's software companies with payroll components. I think something like that, that's actually a very good idea too for the creator economy, but there's just all these things that I think you can build around that economy over time yeah i but in the meantime i think it's going to have a pullback like i think you're going to see a lot of people getting out of it yeah this year
0: so i i agree with the analogy Uh, now i remember the the kind of like the the payroll companies you mentioned that basically true up the payment of everyone who gets pieces of movies i guess one question i'd have there is like creator economy still feels like a fraction of the movie industry and so the question is is how big can it get and I don't know. I I go back and forth on how big I can get. And I'm saying this as someone who's like the biggest proponent of the creator economy. But I've just watched in the last year, like you said, there's just like this overfunding of creator businesses, because the more time that I've spent just in the startup space, the more that I've learned that uh, venture investors are far less independent thinkers than I thought they were like i always assumed it was like the smartest people with the most contrarian views who didn't give a shit what other people were doing and it's like the exact opposite my my thought on the creator economy everyone's is everyone's human <laughs> i get yeah creator economy economy funding is going to dry up this year yeah. and my view is like the there are there are lots of businesses to build in the creator economy still there're not a lot of businesses that are what I would call venture-scale creator economy businesses right now. Mm. I think yeah. the only venture-scale creator economy business that, uh, businesses that I can think of at the moment are what I would call electricity businesses or utility businesses, businesses that get a piece of every transaction of crea- of creators. The funny thing about this, and we don't refer to them as creator businesses, is like those businesses are Facebook, they are Instagram, they're TikTok, right their OnlyFans, they're getting a piece of every, of every creator. Piece. And and I I haven't seen a business yet other than maybe like Cameo, which has an X factor like talent that people already have affinity for that I think has venture, venture-like upside. The only other business I can or type of creator business I can think of are creator-founded businesses mm. that are built with top 0.1% creators. So businesses right, that are right. built with the Mr. Beast of the world where – feastables is doing you know a million dollars a month in just walmart businesses like that so i just yeah. i've been think in the a- short term we
1: tend to underestimate the scale of things like it's crazy dude we when we started running ampush uh, facebook was doing less than a billion in revenue in 2015 i was like oh i don't know what should we sell this thing and 24 billion in revenue today. It's doing 110 billion in revenue. And like, I totally missed it. I, I was like, Oh, Facebook's like petering out in 2015. It's wild. And in many ways, the, most of the value creation. So I do it. I think the, I don't know. I think the creator economy ultimately is going to be much more verticalized. It's going to be the what creators are going to get bigger. The, the verticals are going to get more pronounced. Like right now it's a free for all. It's like, uh, you endorse my supplement. You also endorse my blender. And yeah. that's it, not the future of that, you know? And, it doesn't take much uh when you think about the value of an endorsement. Like Michael Jordan, what percentage did he get of Nike? He's the first influencer yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. And what if that happens broadly across the entire economy still?
0: I, I totally agree with that. I guess the one nuance there though is you're talking about Michael Jordan, who is the greatest athlete of all time. How many but just take
1: a percentage of what he got over the revenue he generated and apply yeah. that to a twenty trillion dollar GDP economy, right? And now you have, I don't know, say five, ten percent like a huge economy that then by the way has to get organized has to get verticalized Uh, you know they're going to be top percent there's going to be all kinds of a a system built around that in my opinion
0: well we'll get to it in in a few minutes because i'm thinking a lot about how if at all do i incorporate creators into this backyard business i'm building so i'm going to be interested to get your thoughts on it i want to just throw out a few of these middle conviction uh middle conviction predictions just for shits and giggles and then we'll talk about the uh, plunger business. So the first prediction is that Elon will no longer be the CEO of Twitter by the end of 2023, but Twitter as a platform will be thriving. What does thriving mean? I don't know the answer exactly other than that, like, revenue is trending up, cost base is still low, and it feels like they are they are innovating on the platform a lot.
1: Do you yeah. agree? Yeah, 9 out of 10. I mean, I agree.
0: Okay uh pickleball growth slows so <laughs> i just do you play this pickleball? Is, yeah i mean i have played i don't play it like regularly i think it's a very fun game but it just feels like one of those things where the 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 hype to reality ratio feels like it's off like i would say in ai there's a lot of hype right now but like reality also feels very high pickleball will like pickleball is a professional sport right now I just don't view it as a high skill enough sport to ever be like a big sport, like the major four sports. Yeah. yeah I, I can, I, think... I, I can tell you're someone who really likes pickleball and you're taking. No,
1: I know, dude, I've never played pickleball until the holiday season. Oh really? But I'm a super competitive tennis player. And so I was immediately very good. Like I, I not surprisingly, right? Like I, I know how to move the racket and yep. where, what I was actually just thinking about is, is the big four, like is pickleball entertaining to watch? Because it's clearly very entertaining to play and easy, and and it it has this huge just top of funnel. Because you know, I I was playing with my seventy plus year old father in law, yeah, and then my brother in law's yeah, the top of funnel's everyone, everyone who's
0: interested in a workout or a sport.
1: And was well, I was me and my brother in law were playing, and we're both competitive tennis players. We're good; like I would beat ninety five percent of people on the tennis court, random people, right. But we were playing a pretty competitive game with the four of us, and and so that was interesting. It was just like it just has a very wide funnel. I don't. I mean, yeah. I don't think. I think. I think that's premature. Maybe five years. You're right. I think it'll keep growing. Okay.
0: Okay. We'll we'll check uh, January 6th of uh, 24. But uh, my guess is the growth rate is lower than uh, 2022. Uh, what? Well, let's do two more. Um, TikTok is sold to a U.S. company. I agree. Okay. Uh, The only caveat in this is- Microsoft. uh, Honestly, you think Microsoft? I don't know enough about US politics, honestly, to know how deals like this are timed based on different political agendas and what the, the, the election cycle is. So like, I know there's a 2024 election cycle. I don't know how that impacts whether this ends up getting pushed out to 2024 right before the election.
1: Yeah. My, my, here's my cockamamie theory. There's some real stuff that the CIA and whoever else is thinking about, like they're really yep. doing a true countrywide risk assessment. Now there's one version of it where they're like, it's not really a risk. This is all overblown. And I don't know if that's good. You know, then there's another one where it's like, no, no, holy crap. This is a huge problem. This can't exist. It's a national security threat. Then in, in scenario, that scenario, the Biden administration goes, is it good for us to push this? Like, is it a great thing to get reelected on to your point? If so, he's going to go super public with it the way Trump did. Yep. If not, he's going to still make it happen, but they're going to kind of like back to, you know, look, guys, I'm sorry. We're going to, we're going to block you in the country, but it's not going to be very y type news, but it's going to a deal is going to happen. They're going to like government's literally going to broker a deal. And Microsoft, I mean, yeah. Microsoft is the right buyer for so many different reasons. And then, uh, if it's not actually deemed a threat, then I think it's a little bit more a typical strategic process. Like I, I don't, I don't think it, the, the the government necessarily unless unless again politically they go. I don't care that it's not actually a threat. It's a great thing to get reelected on. I saw
0: a prediction by uh, Adam Ryan that he thinks Disney is going to acquire TikTok. He thinks no Disney will acquire TikTok and they'll sell off ESPN to be able to fund it. You don't no think chance. there's any chance? No. <laughs> Why,
1: chance. dude? Well, because you we read uh, what's his name's book. Uh, the, the yeah, uh, Bob Iger's. We yeah, right, talked about why they didn't buy Twitter ultimately. TikTok is way worse version of Twitter, man. Disney is totally. Disney. They they don't want UGC, man. They have the, the real assets. Why on earth would they want that? Microsoft, on the other hand, this is the, the asset they've been w- waiting for for like two decades. Yeah, they're drooling
0: over it. It's interesting. We'll see. Um, okay, before we uh, before we hop into uh, the plunge, I just wanted to share. I There was this Twitter thread. That we'll put in the show notes that I thought was freaking hilarious. It was um, this guy, Paul, Pauly, Paul. Uh, he did a tweet thread of predictions made in 1923 about 2023. Did you see this thread? No. Uh, okay. So, so these are, I'll just read some of the predictions that were made. Some, what, what I learned from this is like some things were scary, right? Other things were scary wrong. But the things that are wrong when you extend the time, it's like the 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 magnification of being wrong gets blown out right it's 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 almost like uh how the value of of companies that yeah, cash flows yeah. are like 30 years in the future gets really impacted same thing yeah. okay so the workday will be 4 hours long all people will be beautiful life expectancy will be 300 years men will curl their hair the us <laughs> will have a population of 300 million wow you tense Yeah, utensils will be made of pulp. Flights from Chicago to Hamburg will only take 18 hours. I looked it up before. Direct is like 10 hours. Newspapers will have been out of business for 50 years. Cancer will be eradicated. People will communicate using watch-size radio telephones.
1: Wow. There are
0: some some like really freaking right things That was said
1: 100 years ago?
0: Yeah, I'll send you the thread after. It's like literally like pictures of old school clippings.
1: That is amazing. No, I think that, I mean, it makes sense that they extrapolated. I mean, the life expectancy was probably changing at such a high rate at that time, right? Totally. So he just extrapolated that. Um, yeah. I mean, What hasn't changed? One... That's an interesting question. Yeah, that's years. true.
0: Human greed, human... Yeah, people uh... were
1: still playing the stock market. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leading people up to still... the
0: yeah people were people i don't know it wasn't uh the creator economy or web3 people were over investing in uh in tulip bulbs or uh dude the uh, stock market
1: got run up during the roaring 20s it was literally the last 10 years you know great gatsby the people were ambitious and wanted to build things crazy ambition was there still
0: Uh, uh it's pretty wild yeah it would be fun to like go back and just read i haven't read enough like nonfiction history just like to see it's probably really striking how little has actually changed in in just how people interact and and think and behave um okay let's hop into the plunge uh i've given you some background on what i'm building but you don't have the full picture so interrupt me whenever but i'm gonna explain to you and to uh to the misfits out there what i've been working on
1: So just to let's pretend you're you're an entrepreneur coming to me for advice because that's that's a conversation that happens a lot.
0: Well, I am. Yeah, yeah, I am coming to you for advice. So the 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 context here, by the way, is like I've shared this on the on the show in the past, but we sold a big chunk of Morning Brew in October of 2020. I stepped out of the CEO role in April of 2021. I spent probably four or five months trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. I would suggest anyone who asked that question to, to make the question a little bit more approachable and not say what you want to do for the rest of your life. Ask maybe like for the next six months. And at some point, I just started like feeling the creative juices flowing again. And so I just want to start building something. And I, I very intentionally was like, I want to just build something that I really enjoy building. And I don't want to think at all like, is this going to be bigger than Morning Brew smaller? It doesn't matter. So one thesis that I've had for a long time, going back to our creator conversation, is that I believe that there's going to be like a Berkshire Hathaway for creator businesses. And what mm. I mean by that is I think that there's going to be someone who sits at the center of launching many businesses with creators. And when I talk about creators, I really mean like internet creators, YouTubers, TikTokers, et cetera, right. tw- uh, Twitter personalities. There's going to be someone who helps them launch businesses, takes them their product market fit, finds operators and then kind of is the chairman of many businesses likely will start in a single vertical and then move horizontally as they get proficiency in that vertical right and i think i think i've talked about in the past though the reason it'll be done is marketing costs are going up people follow people creators are like athletes and they don't want to just trade their time for money they want to actually build equity in something so those are the reasons so all this to say i started thinking what's a creator business i could build And I started looking at creators that I thought would be good to partner with. One of the first creators I looked at was Dude Perfect. Do you know Dude Perfect? Mm -mm. Okay, Dude Perfect. Your kids would love Dude Perfect. So Dude Perfect is a sports YouTube account that's been around for probably 15 years now. It's a group of friends that do like basketball trick shots. They they, They just do a bunch of different sports trick shots. They're third most viewed video ever I saw on YouTube was them throwing plungers. It was a plunger trick shot video where they were throwing plungers at plexiglass, at boards they had made on their campus, and had uh, 50 million views. And so I watched this and I was like, one, this video crushed it. So clearly there's some interest in what they're doing. Two, Dude Perfect doesn't have a product or a business that they've launched yet. So maybe they'd be interested in partnering with me on something. And three, throwing a plunger. Looks a lot like throwing an axe and axe throwing is going through a very real moment right now. And so the first thing I did is I went to Home Depot just to see how the plungers they were throwing would actually stick. I have a Mm -hmm. video I'll send to you after of like a drain and sink plunger, throwing it in a Home Depot and getting it to stick. I got connected to a guy who has relationships in China. I feel like I need to
1: make you do 60 second startup here so that we can (laughs) get the whole idea out. Okay, fine. And then then operate it. Okay. okay, sixty second startup. I don't know all the questions. Okay, what is the name of your startup? The plunge. Okay, what does your what problem does your startup solve? Uh, boredom at home. I don't know all the questions.
0: What? Okay, okay, I'll just I'll just finish it in sixty. So the goal is it is the next big game in backyard sports. Um, the plunge allows people to get the the satisfaction and enjoyment of axe throwing without a trip to the hospital. The game involves throwing floor, four plungers at a board. You go head-to-head against one people one person up to eight people. It can be played in your backyard or it can be played at a, t- a sports tailgate or it can be played on the beach. And my goal is to launch this business um, for pre-orders in the next few weeks and use short-form social content of people playing the game, put it on TikTok, youtube instagram uh and any other short form platform to drive demand for the product if i hit enough pre-orders i will end up pushing forward with the business if i don't hit enough pre-orders then i will have to change strategy and that is the game
1: and what and how much does the game cost so the game costs what uh, what do you charge what's your price
0: yeah so i i'm gonna charge 149.99 okay
1: and what does it cost you landed
0: As of right now, cost, if I wanted to get it to Jesse Pooji's house from China, so the whole process to get it to you is $68.
1: Okay. So what is that? You make 90 bucks?
0: I make whatever one... This is really embarrassing how good we are at math. 150, 60, 90. Uh, Yeah. 81 over... Yeah. Yeah. So 81 bucks.
1: Okay. Um... So what? Like, what? What's the market size, or how do you think about market size?
0: So, I would say it's fu- it's so funny because I've never actually thought about market size ever in building businesses. But if I had to think about this out loud, I would say my immediate market target market is uh, eighteen to thirty-five uh, year old uh, men who want to play this game with friends. Um you know one
1: of my favorite hacks for market size by the way. What is it? It's just to find a comp business that like is close enough and see if it's really big. Yeah. So like so, I, I actually know the founder of what's a, of Spikeball. This reminds me a lot yeah, of Yeah, Chris. So
0: I'm am t- talking so in doing kind of this game, I'm talking to I've talked to Chris from Crossnet and I'm talking to Chris from Spikeball. I know that he has sold Spikeball um Wait one second. I was on their site. I think they've sold two million sets. Let's see. Okay. About uh. So one fifty. 150... Oh, sorry. Four mil four million players, but that that's not necessarily the amount of sets. So let right. let's just say that they've sold two million sets.
1: Right. So what's like? What do you think is a reasonable goal for you for this year, just for fun?
0: Yeah my my goal it would be a success this year if I can do uh five hundred k in revenue.
1: So, what is that selling? Yeah, so
0: so how many sets you are saying? Four
1: thousand of these, three thousand of these.
0: It's uh, yeah, it's three thousand of these sets.
1: And and production, you feel comfortable? You can scale to that. That's not an issue.
0: Correct. If anything, okay. honestly, the big thing that I've had to realize is many is uh, warehouses only want to do big scale. So I've had to deal with the issue of like I don't want to manufacture. $250,000 worth of product until I know there's demand, but right. yes, have you found scale, someone scale,
1: who will do, but it's a real issue. MOQ, right? That's like, that's the lingo. Exa- minimum order exactly. Quantity. You found someone who will only make a couple thousand for you.
0: Yes, I have. Okay. And do you have um, a 3PL? Don't have a 3PL yet.
1: Okay. I can refer you to the one that we use for unblow. Okay. They're in Michigan.
0: They're, they're like, they're very yeah.
1: centralized. They're a little old school, but that's an important part of this is like a good one that you can trust.
0: Yeah. So so, I need a three PL. Um, and uh, you know, m-
1: Have
0: you- haven't done that yet. Just been literally focused on getting the game. I would in not, perfect By fit. the way, I
1: didn't do any packaging or shipping. I sent my stuff in an ugly box. Still do until Did it gets to a certain scale. Yeah, I mean, it's an example of validation. Like to me, you you know, you validate. It depends a little bit on your taste, of course. But maybe yeah, you get a. My, by the
0: way, my my whole ethos here, and I don't know if you approach things in the same way. It's like my whole ethos is. How can I spend as little as humanly possible on this until I know that there's demand and that there's money coming the door? So on this whole. Thing so how will so you know far, that? Um, it's a great question. It's actually one. So my it's one of my biggest questions right now, which is what's enough pre order, what's enough pre orders to justify moving forward with production. I think if I can in the first few months get 500 orders, that feels pretty good. That feels pretty good. Um, but by, I've only, by, spent... by the way,
1: why are you doing it this way though? If you don't care about the size, why there's some demand? I mean, dude, there's 330 million people in the U S. Yep. Why do you care? Why? Like if you don't mind, if this is a 2000 unit a year business forever, why do you care? Why are you even creating that, that thing for yourself? Go figure it out. Go figure out how to find those 2000 purchasers per year. Like the, you know what yeah, I mean? Y-
0: yes. I, I agree with that. I just, but so w- wait, when you say, what just go figure it out versus doing what?
1: <clears throat> well, you're creating some like, you know, and it's normal for entrepreneurs to create a, uh, a stage gate, let's call it right before yep. they double down. But that's typically normal of a, of a business where you're like, should I invest my time into this? Yep. because my time is worth a lot and I care a lot about the scale that this will become. In your case, you said you don't care. So there's some number of people who will buy this every
0: the the big reason I guess the bi- the big thing that I'm doing to stage gate is I'm doing pre-orders so you pre-order the product on the website versus buy it and the reason is that I want to get to a number uh, a batch size that I can order from the manufacturer because I think like that what the manufacturer won't do is like I get an order on Friday and then I get an order next yeah, Wednesday of course of course they're You're not just about, gonna fulfill you have to order that. a few thousand in the beginning a- exactly so I don't even know I don't know if I'm gonna get to so a few 68
1: thousand. bucks or say fifty because you said to get it to me they're shipping. So you're you you don't want to spend the 100 grand until you think there's some demand. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but I don't know if you if you don't care about the size. There's there's a big enough business here. You could go sell it to like uh schools or something if you really I mean Yeah,
0: oh yeah. No, I yeah, I No, no, but what I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to unless so your, your view is like, you think there's enough demand where you would just eat the hundred thousand dollar co- cost and have a few thousand games sitting in a storage. If unit I don't and then care
1: about go- making, like if I don't care the size of the business.
0: Yeah. But do you care about losing a hundred thousand yeah, dollars?
1: I do, but I don't, I, I, 330 million people in the U.S., a hundred million households. Like I yeah, very yeah, firmly math, believe you. math
0: makes it sound easy.
1: Okay. Let's talk about how, what, what are your top marketing initiatives? Like, how are you going to go out and market this thing?
0: Yeah, so there's a few things I'm doing. One is I'm planning on creating basically uh, daily TikTok or vertical video content that's going to drop. It's going to be people playing the game. It's also going to be uh, a lot of competition type content where I sit outside in Hoboken with a board and it says hit a bullseye, win 100 or or $1,000. bucks." i am going to do like head-to-head videos where I'll get two friends. They'll bet each other either money or like an act. And yeah, the, lo- the winner gets it. to do something to the loser. So that's like the organic content I'm creating. Now, bringing in the creator piece of this, I'm talking to a few big time creators and I'm trying to decide if it makes sense to work with them. So I'm talking to some like feels premature
1: YouTube- to me. I- so here's a couple of thoughts. One is, are you going to do any kind of, um, uh, are you going to do any, you said you're going to, from a marketing, are you going to do any kind of, um, what are they called? Kickstarter? What? Or anything like no,
0: that? No, so basically what I'm doing is the equivalent of Kickstarter. I just did it on my own website where I'm having pre-orders. I just don't get the benefit of Kickstarter's distribution, which I, what I'm trying to build up through TikTok videos, and I don't give Kickstarter 8 to 10%. That's kind of the the trade-off. Yeah,
1: I can see that. I mean, can, they, those can be valuable ways to gauge demand because they have built communities that respond to different products. And by but... the
0: way, games are, are supposed to be one of the best categories on Kickstarter.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would, I would not take it off your list so forcefully. I would, I would keep it in the views. And then on Facebook, you know, what one thing to think about that's an easy way to gauge demand is it, early on. There's like this thing I learned actually, cause I had been running huge campaigns and then I started running new stuff and I sucked at it and it's called seasoning the pixel. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is like if you spend too much money too fast on Facebook, you actually, their signal is not dialed in yet. And so you waste your money and you don't actually figure out demand. And so the playbook we ran and the second brand we launched that you should look at is create like five static ads and spend fifty bucks a day. And what you're doing is you're actually letting Facebook and you'll notice every week the like click throughs get a little better, the conversion gets a little bit better. And dude, for this business, if you could get if during that phase you got the CAC below fifty, it's a fucking massive idea. If you got the CAC even break even based on your gross profit, yep. it's, it's a very bonafide idea because you haven't layered on good create like and you then haven't the, optimized so you, at all. At all, right? You layer on email marketing, you layer on these videos that are gonna become viral, and anything that's viral on organic becomes amazing as a paid ad. Right. Yep. And so I would set that up as soon as you can, as, as soon as today or whatever, and and get that up and running. And five static creative that show what the game is explained in very basic terms. I'm
0: gonna try to do it before next episode.
1: Yeah, five ads, five ads to the ad set. And then here's the math. Let's think about the math. This is a hundred and fifty dollar product. The higher demand, there's AOV things to think about, right? So the higher the expense, the higher CPMs you're typically paying because there's less demand, there's less click through conversion. Yep. But the math you have to think about is let's call it a $20 CPM and you serve 10,000 impressions. So that's $200 in marketing expense. How many sales do you get? We call it, Ampush calls it APM, which Mm -hmm. is a made up metric of acquisitions per 10,000 impressions. It's really click through and conversion mixed. But in your case, we would love to see a three. APM, which yep. means for, for 10,000 impressions, we sell three product. And then you could do the math of, I get a click through of with, with shitty static ads. You'll get a 1% click through maybe yep. if you're lucky, like that'd be a good sign. And then we'd have to do the math on the conversion rate, but, but let's actually do it for everyone. Cause you know, it, so you get 10,000 impressions, you get a yep. 1% click through rate. That means a hundred people click. Mm-hmm. And so you need 3% conversion rate or, you know, to get, the which sounds APM. pretty high. Sounds high, so so maybe it's a one and a half and a and a two or so, yep. you know, but you start to play with those. By the way, the math I just did is is it would be a wonderful sign. So if in the first two weeks you're at one and one or point seven and one and you know that's okay, like that's you want to see totally. it over time after, and you don't have to invest that much fifty to hundred bucks a day for two months, and you got to see if it gets better over a period of time till you get close to that fifty dollar cac. Yeah, and then I want I want to I
0: want to yeah I want to try this out. Honestly, the first thing that I have to accomplish which i'm getting close to is finishing the website i haven't built a website in like eight years and i'm building on shopify for the first time and it's it it actually what it makes me want to do as i'm thinking about and this will be another episode the idea of a personal holding company and building many of your own businesses is like i want to take several courses or read several books in like copywriting and in design because i just think being able to to throw up really intriguing brands up front is such a powerful skill so anyway i need to finish the website but then i do want to test that something i just want to leave Dude, you, you with should,
1: by the way i have a shopify developer you should just hire and use like it's cool for you to figure this out on your own to a point and then at some point it just becomes silly. <laughs> it's just stupid like yeah. pay him a few thousand dollars and just get your site you know? well just
0: for everyone to know uh just to, to be totally transparent with costs i've spent um twelve thousand dollars on this game so far and 11,500 was on R&D and the the remaining 500 was on like materials, like stuff I got for the game from Home Depot. And I now found, I finally found a TikTok editor that's going to make my videos. This is just like another lesson in how valuable distribution is and also why businesses like growth assistant or service businesses that have talent in other countries, I think is such a, a good business. The only reason I found this developer, his name is Vipple, he's I think like 18 or 19 in India, amazing short form editor, is because he saw my post because I have 230,000 followers that I yeah. put it out to. No one would find Vipple if they didn't have that audience. And so I feel very grateful to have that distribution. Last thing I'll... You uh, uh, him? I you I need. I need Yeah, 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 100%. Last thing I'll leave you with is the biggest questions I'm asking myself right now to push the game forward is... How do we bring down costs enough to have enough margin, especially if I end up going into retail and have to sell wholesale uh, prices to them? Um, Is the price too high? Is $149.99 too high? It's on the higher end of games. How do we get to a place where I feel great about the board? There are still certain things in terms of the durability of the board I don't feel good about. And then if this works, what do I look for in an operator to run this day-to-day? And what do I want this brand to be slash the portfolio of products to be? I have some ideas that I'll share in the future, but I'm still working that out. Um, I,
1: I like my, my parting thoughts for you on this. I think one is come up now with the uh, December PNL or August PNL. It's going to be a summer oriented seasonality in yeah. this business. So like, dude, I want you to get to a thousand sales in August at 150 per, let's say it'll be 125 with discounting. So 120, 50, 125 K. We, we said 70 goes out the door. So whatever. Yeah. And then. Aim for a fifty dollar CAC. If you're gonna use paid heavily. If not, then twenty five, but your your top your top won't be as big. Yeah. And then build backwards from that. Like I, I think it's really important to set that somewhere as a bogey and then okay. build Let, backwards let's from it. T- top
0: top and next episode. Let's like I, I want to hold myself to account. We'll set the goal at the top of the episode and then I don't know, every month we'll do a revisit on the business to see how it's doing. Yeah.
1: And on the operator thing, one thing I would just share with you having now spun up three things, having someone from day one is is much more critical than I thought I think I realized Um, and so I would try to find that person now I would start the search now
0: okay that's good to know last thing startup AMA best way to finish the episode we got a question from Emily Emily brought up this article that came out in the last few days about Shopify Um, Shopify announced that they are going to do away with recurring meetings that involve three or more people uh, starting this calendar year. Emily wants to know, do you believe that this was the right move? Jesse, what do you think?
1: 100%. I mean, Twilio does this every quarter. Jeff told me that many, many years ago, and I tried to institute it. Anything standing gets deleted every quarter. I think one thing you don't realize in business is how fast inertia sets in and how most people are... We're all creatures of habit. Even you and I, you know, I, I, shared my daily, my weekly schedule. I consider myself this like amazing entrepreneur, like a channel challenge the convention. And yet most of my weeks are very routinized, as you said. Yep. And so when you allow that to set in for your company, you know, Rick Elias at red ventures, he would never set a standing meeting with me. He refused outright. Jesse, when you need me, call me. I'll get on the phone with you in the same day. If you don't need me? Don't bug me. Leave me. And, do, yeah. and he does the guy runs a multi, you know, tens of billion dollar company. If I text him and I go. Do you have 10 minutes today? He will find that 10 minutes to talk to me. And so, yeah, I think it's great. I think 100%. I'm a uh, I
0: agree. And if anyone wants to build the idea that I had posted on Twitter uh, in uh, December of 2022, I would love for someone to build a Chrome plugin or Zoom uh, plugin where basically it uh, keeps a tally of how much money is accruing in meeting cost as a function of the number of people in the meeting and their hourly rate. So you know when you call a meeting, basically the price you are paying for calling that meeting. Uh, I would love using that. I think it's such a good accountability holder.
1: There's this funny Chris Rock. Did you see the new Chris Rock? No. He's got this hilarious scene where he he talks about um, he's like in divorce court with his wife and he sits down for a second. He looks around at the proceedings and he was just like, Every single person in the courtroom, I am paying for. I'm paying for the judge to be here. I'm paying for my attorney. I'm paying for my wife's attorney. I'm paying for her. I'm paying for the clerk. And he goes and he pauses and he goes, "This is how I know I made it."
0: That is incredible. <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, great way to end the episode. And uh, Emily, thank you for the the startup AMA question. If you're a misfit and you have a question for Jesse or I, shoot us an email to the crazy ones at morningbrew.com. Again, we are super excited for 2023. We're going to be trying a bunch of different shit, but all with the same goal to help you build better businesses and uh, to be the best startup show on planet Earth. Jesse, any parting words before you go?
1: No, I'm excited for 23. Let's go. It's going to be a great year. Yeah, man, let's
0: do it. Okay, have a good week, everyone.